But um, we're, we're going to uh, go into the Word, and uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Tiam to come up. And Pastor Tiam is going to bless us uh, with the Word this morning. <clears throat> now, that, that feels appropriate. That, that feels appropriate. And I tell you what, um, uh, I, I just want to brag on this man for a little bit before he, before he takes the mic. And just say, what an what a awesome man of God. And, uh, and those of you who have had an opportunity to interact with him, to, to have conversations, you know his heart. You know that he is about the people of God. He's about the lost. He's about connecting uh, those whom Jesus is crying over. These are mine. Um, and connecting them and, and, and leading them back to the Father. And so his heart pours uh, with, with missions, uh, with, with compassion for those who, who are destitute, for those who are outside of the family of Christ. And so I, I am so, so looking forward uh, to receiving from him. Uh, we get to work closely together in the week also. So uh, I, I have the benefit of some of the secret download uh, <laughs> beforehand. So I know that you're in for a treat. Pastor Tia. Thank you, Pastor Lureka. Uh, thank you so much to the, for the leadership to our, of our church for the opportunity to be able to share God's words with you this afternoon. Um, Pastor Lureka mentioned that uh, I'm well known for missions. When we prepped for this uh, and we spoke together as a team about the sermon that's coming up, uh, the people says, but uh, Pastor Tiama, I know what you're going to prepare for. You're going to say we're going to have peace to go to the nations. So we're talking about the name of God, the power in the name. And uh, there's a new sermon series that we started. And Pastor Simon have led us last week. And we've learned about El Roy, the God who sees. And we've learned that God is active in our lives. He sees. He has compassion with us. And God come to our rescue. Because he's a God that sees he holds the future in his hands. And therefore he knows the solution already. And we don't have to fear. We can live with peace. Today... Uh, we're going to read from uh, Judges 6, verse 20. Uh, our focus is going to be on verse 24. We're going to read from Judges 6, verse 1 to 24. My son David, <coughs> my youngest, has got this thing that he does lately. He will come to me and he says, Daddy, Daddy, come look here. And... Uh, he says, this thing I'm going to show you now is going to blow your mind. And then I said to him, David, but I don't my mind to be blown. <laughs> and he says, ah, daddy, <laughs> don't be silly. Uh, but when we talk about God's name, I stand actually in fear and awe before you because God he is so awesome. He will blow our minds. He is the most wonderful being I've ever met. Every time I encounter him, when I speak to him in the mornings, I'm being encountered by how good he is that a God that is so big can step down from his throne and come to me every morning 
and whisper in my ears. God will blow your mind, as my little David says. Once there was a king, and the king wanted artists to represent for him a picture of what peace would look like. So the artists went away and they, many came back with different impressions in a painting of what peace would look like. The first picture that was represented to the king, uh, or from all of the pictures, the king chose two. Two stood out for him. The first one was a peaceful valley with a lake, with two mountains on the side and fluffy clouds, fluffy clouds, and it looks very peaceful. And everyone thought, who looked at these pictures, that this is the impression of peace. The second picture that was chosen by the king was one also with mountains in it, but with rugged edges, with an angry sky, with lightning flashes, with a waterfall that foams and falls down to the puddle below. But when you look closely, behind the waterfall was a small bush growing from the cracks in the cliff. And in that little bush is a mother bird nesting her chicks. Which one do you think the king chose? To represent peace. The second one. And on his choice, people ask him, why did you choose that one? And he says, he says, peace can be found in the most difficult places. Because peace is not our external circumstances. But peace exists in our hearts. If we think about today's scripture and read from Judges 6, verse 1, 24 to 24. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years they have gave them into the hand, he gave them into the hands of the Mennonites. Because the power of the Mennonites was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelter for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planned, planned their crops, the Midianites, the Amorites, the Midianites and the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They, they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep or cattle nor donkey. They came up with the living stock. They came up with their living stock and their tents like swamps of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Median. So impoverished the Israelites 
that they cry out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cry out to the Lord, apologies, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I've delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came down. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Oprah that belongs to Joas, the Abizarite. When his son Gideon was freshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites, when the angel of the Lord appeared to, him, to Gideon, he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon said, replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when he said, Did not the Lord bring you out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, the Midian, of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midianites' hand, the Midian's hand. And I'm not, am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in, in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away. I come back. Please do not go away until I come back. And bring you my offering and set it before you. And the Lord says, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread with yeast, putting the meat in a basket, and it, it both, and it's both in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on, on the rock, and pour out the both. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flamed from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When the angel realized that it, uh, when Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord says to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. 
So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, then called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands at opera of the Abyssalites. We're going to focus on verse 24. The Lord is our peace. To understand peace, we need to have a look at what the Hebrew understood from peace. We have to go and search the pages of the Bible. But the one thing, if we can go to the next slide, please. Sorry, my something went wrong with my slide here. The slide here doesn't work as it's supposed to be. That is the Hebrew letters for Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh, Yahweh, in the Hebrew language, is a language, it's, it's formed, it's guttural sounds. There is no vocals in the name of God. It is found, it's formed in the back of your throat as air flows through your vocal cords. And when God revealed him as the God, Yahweh, the God of covenant, every time a Jew speaks it, it is like God cannot be pronounced. He is too big to pronounce his name. It's like air that just flows through you, through your vocal cords. God is too great even to mention. Our language is too limited to express and give attribute to the, God, to the name of God. But God chooses and He given us our language. And He chooses, He chooses that we will honor and call upon His name from our language. For Gideon, when he left in this wrestle in his heart, and we see the absence of the presence of God within Israel. The name of God is connected with the presence of God. The name of God is so connected to God who He is. We see Gideon in this place where he struggles to make sense of the turmoil that they have been going through as Israel. And where is God in this whole picture? Peace is absent. There is no peace among them. When we look at the English word for peace, it is kind of a suggestion or it is a, it's a passive picture that we find. That peace is something that exists around us. It's harmony with around us. But when we look at the Hebrew word for peace, it actually means it has a, it's, it's a verb, it's something that we do, but it's also a noun. Peace is something that we are actively involved with, but it's also a noun. And the noun is harmony between two parties. It means the Hebrew word for shalom, or the, the shalom means peace between two parties. It means property, success, and fulfillment. 
abundance. I'm sorry, my slideshow is seriously leaving me. Leave me a little bit in the dark here. The absence of war. Wholeness of life and body. The Greek word that we find in the New Testament that refers to peace is Irene. And is highly influenced by the Hebrew word shalom. And it means literally God is the source of peace. Peace cannot exist without God. Why don't we have peace? Why don't we have peace? Can we go to the next slide, please? Why don't we have peace? If we look at Israel, this passage starts off with Israel sinning against God. And they break covenant with God. And the presence of God is not with them. Sin makes that we don't, can't stand in the presence of God. Sin brings a sense to our lives of peace is absent. When we live with sin or we want to do this dual thing where we walk with God but wants to stand with the other foot in the world, peace is absent. We cannot walk with God and then also want to deal with the world and be peace at peace with the world. We have to choose. We cannot serve both kings. We can only choose one. What is sin then? Sin is breaking relationship. In Genesis 1 we see, in Genesis we follow the story of Adam and Eve who live in harmony with God. There was harmony between two parties. And they sin, and the relationship is broken. Moses come and he gives us the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments speaks about living in a relationship with God. We're in a good standing with God. It also speaks about breaking the law. We're breaking our relationship with God. The law was there to protect us and to guide us. But then also, when he says don't steal, it's breaking relationship with others. Sin breaks relationship on all levels. It breaks relationship with ourselves. Where we don't live and we don't rest. And we take the Sabbath advantage, advantage of the Sabbath. And we don't find rest in ourselves. And we break relationship with God and with others and with ourselves. Sin impacted our lives. And sometimes we live in these places where we do not forgive and we ask, why don't we have peace? Sometimes we do not rest and we ask, 
Why don't we have peace? We don't pursue God. And then we want to know, why don't we have peace? Sin broke relationship. The consequence of breaking relationship is that we end up not taking responsibility. We see this with Gideon. Israel has sin. It breaks relationship with God and peace does not exist. And then Gideon goes far and says, where has the Lord been? Who says that he stands in covenant with us. And Gideon actually blamed God for breaking covenant. He's blaming God for breaking covenant. And he's starting to play the blame game. Where he doesn't want to take responsibility for himself. Wasn't that what Adam and Eve did? When God came to them and says, where are you in this relationship? What did Adam do? It's the wife that you give me. And Eve says, no, it's the snake. Sin brings pride into our hearts. And we lack humility. And if we persist in our sin, we're growing hard of heart. We grow in our pride. And then we want to know why there's no peace around us. I want to tell you about a story of Casey Anthony. In 2008, Cassie, her little baby daughter, Kaylee, sorry, Cassie's toddler was missing. In 2011, the court case starts where she's been accused of first-degree murder. Cassie's defense stands in the court and says, it is not Cassie who killed her daughter, Kaylee. It was her father. Because he was an abusive dad. He, was a, he wasn't there for her. And therefore she's not guilty of the sin. She has not killed her daughter. The verdict on the end of the day. When the jury comes out. The account reads like this. She is exempt from first degree murder. But she's found guilty in four counts of lying to the officers for the law enforcement. The closing argument of Cassie's lawyer reads as follows. Cassie's father was responsible for the death of a toddler and for the numerous lies that she has contrived through the process. And she won the case. After all evidence have pointed to her being guilty. 
Haven't we witnessed certain things close to ourselves? Certain cases in our nation that has happened. I want to encourage you with a story of Sang Bong Shui, a little Korean boy, 22 years old, who did not use his circumstances to play the blame game. At three, he was placed in an orphanage. At the age of five, he ran away for the abuse in the orphanage. And he ended up on the street. For 10 years, he was selling gum and energy, energy drinks to stay alive. That young man made an impressive appearance at the Korean. Korea's Got Talent. Where this young man have educated himself, pursued education, went for voice lessons, and stand up before an audience at Korea's Got Talent and deliver, deliver an absolute, profound moment of his life. He did not choose to blame. He did not, change, he did not choose to blame others or his circumstances. We play sometimes the blame game. We're so used to play the blame game. We blame God for things that goes wrong in our lives. Or we blame our parents. <laughs> Did you ever blame your kids like I do? <laughs> oh my word, if they only do that, you know, I'll have peace. Did you ever blame your spouse and play the blame game with your spouse? If she just want to close those doors of the kitchen, if she can just clean up behind herself, I mean, I'll have peace in this house. <laughs> and we all play this blame game because we don't want to take responsibility for our own weakness. But we can have peace. And God guarantee peace. But what price is peace being sold at? What price does peace cost? Gideon, after he met the angel of the Lord, voice busy meeting the angel of the Lord and he says, if I have found favor in your eyes, can you wait a while? And Gideon go and prepare a goat and make unleavened bread. Doesn't that sound familiar? Somewhere out of the Bible where peace has been made in the Old Testament and peace offering is made where blood had to flow. Something had to die to make peace. If I have found favor in your eyes, 
let me bring a peace offering. What does peace cost? Well, Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Now, if he is the prince, surely he must own peace. Surely if he's the prince, he must possess peace. If he's the prince of peace, then I can only found it at him. So the internal peace that I miss needed a sacrifice. It needed a right standing with a relationship with God. Righteous living. A life that is bought and made right with God. It cost a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was God's initiative, not mine. God stepped in and says, I'll bring you peace. I will ensure that you have peace. And he knew what it is going to cost him. It was done willingly. Jesus laid down his life willingly for us. This is the price of our peace. Our price of our peace has cost God dearly. It didn't cost us anything. It cost God everything. Our peace cost separation. Jesus is on the cross. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus endured separation. He endured the rejection from God on our behalf. So that we will not have rejection from God, but that we will have peace everlasting. The price of our freedom, of our, um, sorry, <laughs> of our peace caused God dearly. It was willingly done. It was God laying down his life for us. Giving us peace. What does it ask of us? If this peace caused God so much, what does it ask of us? Well, it asks of us. Can we have the next slide, please? Ask humility. Ask a heart that surrendered to God. And it says, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Our peace asks of us that we step into that place of recognizing that we are sinners. That we actually have caused the disruption in the peace. It is to recognize what God asks of us. And that is that we would, in humility, come to Him. Isn't His word teaching us that if 
if we will call upon his name and humble ourselves, that he will hear our prayers. God seeks that we open up and expose our hearts to him. It costs that we pursue this relationship that Jesus has made possible for us. If I'm after peace, it's going to cost me to pursue this relationship with everything inside of me. I love how Jesus says this in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who walks through a field and he discovers a treasure. And then he goes away and he sells everything he has to obtain this land with the treasure. Peace with God and peace with inside of us deep down in our hearts. That's been robbed and stolen by, by sin and by our wrong decisions in life. Ask that we accept God's offer for us. That he made peace possible. And that peace caused that we will humble ourselves before God. Step back into a relationship and pursue this relationship. How does pursue a relationship look like? How is it possible for us to pursue God? Well, for me, it starts in the morning at four o'clock. It is buying the time out. It's to find time in my day to say to myself that God is the most important being. He's the most important thing in my life. And I cannot do life without Him. I cannot do life without God. You can ask my wife of the many mistakes I made. You can ask my kids of the many mistakes I made. But man, when I sometimes say a thing that I'm not supposed to say, when I'm starting to break relationship and I walk away from it and I read my Bible and I speak to God, I become, when I stand and I look at His beauty, I become so aware of who I am and how sinful I am that I'm quick to run to Him and say, God, please forgive me for what I just said to my wife, what I just said to my son, what I just said to my daughter. Please forgive me, Lord. But then I'm quick to run to them. Say, hey, daddy did the wrong thing. <laughs> I messed up this thing completely. Can you please forgive me? Can you please forgive me? Because I don't want to mess up this relationship with God. I don't want to miss him in my life. He's the very air that I breathe. It's the blood running from my veins. I need him. I don't want to do anything to distort this relationship between me and God. I don't want forgiveness to creep in there and mess it up for me. I don't want sin to come in there and mess up this relationship. Therefore, I've, I'm quick to run to him and say, God, please help me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. 
The second thing is, is to build good habits in my life. I had the privilege of serving the Lord for over 40 years. And the very first thing that my mom taught me as a young little boy of six years old, she bought me my first Bible. Man, those pages didn't always make sense to me. But my mother said, you read that book of time. You read that book. You spend time with that book. As I read through the years to follow, I discovered a God in the pages of that Bible that I don't want to give up on. I don't want to give up on this God because He is incredible. He's magnificent. I have never met someone like Him. I love my Bible. I love reading through the pages of my Bible and seek and expecting God that morning to reveal Himself. I enjoy that thoroughly. I use a method that's called rote when I read my Bible. I will read through the pages. I will read it a second time. And then I will observe things within the passage that I'm reading. After that, I will ask questions about Scripture, about what I just read. I will ask questions, expecting God to answer me with a heart that, that soak and wait upon God to say, God, what are you saying? And then the D, to make it my own. Is to draft up for me a to-do list. This is what I need to change. And this is the steps that I'm going to take to change it. I'm going to stand more accountable to my wife. I'm going to get people around me who can keep me accountable to fulfill this thing in my life. The scripture does not become just a book to me. Become a manual that I can apply to my life. Man, I, I enjoy my journey with Jesus. I really do. I can tell you this is it's the best thing that happened in my whole entire life to me. When my mom led me to Christ, <laughs> it was the best thing. I can tell you, um, when I'm, my, my wife and I was married, man, I made mistakes. I remember this once. I don't hope she's going to mind me sharing this. I remember this once I was, I was, I was working. I'm going to be a bit vulnerable here with you. I was working. And I was trying my best to provide the best for my family. I got a phone call in the middle of a conversation with a client. My wife says to me, can you please come and help me? I locked the key inside the car. Man, God knows I stand still till this day. Grateful to this woman for forgiveness. I say to her these words. What do you want me to do? I got in my car and go help her. 
But when God's spirit started talking to me, I realized how sinful I am. How I just broke relationship. How I just step into sin and choose my stubbornness above God. How my comfort counted more at that moment than anything else for me. I've grew over the years, haven't I? God is good. But God stripped away things in my life as I walked this journey with him. Reading my Bible, discovering him in the pages of my Bible. And also ask a prayer life, a vibrant prayer life. It needs me to speak to God. Nothing. I remember when I met my wife. Uh, she she stayed in in in, in Whitbank and I stayed uh, in Joburg. I was busy studying. A man, every moment that I had a chance to drive through to Whitbank, I took advantage. <laughs> I would even I will even stretch my weekend so long that I will leave on the very last minute to come back to university. Because as much time as I could spend with her, that's what I wanted to spend. Sorry, how much time have I got? Am I? I have found every possible chance to spend time with her. I love spending time with God to talk to Him. And I follow in my prayer life the rhythm of Acts. It's to adore Him. It's to confess my sins. There is none like him. It's to give thanks for what he has done for me. And then to say, Lord, do the same supplication for my friends and my family. Do the same for them as he did for me. I close with this. One thing that struck me from Gideon is the fact that he had this, mis- this absolute moment with God where he declared and he built an altar to God and he says that you are the God of peace. You are my God of peace. But then Gideon's story ends completely different. None of us expected his life to end the way that because if a man had such an encounter with God, why didn't this encounter last him? I wonder if Gideon had to live in our time and our age, if he would have run then from experience to experience, run from conference to conference to have encounters with God. Was that probably his lack? To just find experiences, but the the, the experience had no impact on his life. The day when my mother led me to Christ, it had such a profound effect on my life that I needed to make it my own. I 
I'm asking the question. I'm not saying Gideon did not, but it's just challenging for me that this, is, this didn't have an impact on him as what we would have expected. Why did his life turn out as it did? Well, firstly, when I met Jesus, I realized that that sacrifice, this awesome God, this most wonderful God, has done this just for me. He did it for me. And this price that he had to pay for this peace is far too great to take it lightly. It's far too little. It's far too big that I make of it little to run from an experience to an experience and hope that it will change my life. But I let it impact my heart. And I pondered upon it and I made it my own. Because this price cost God dearly. I cannot take this lightly. But this joy that Jesus gives, this joy that he offers us, gives us the peace. This life, this, this peace that he has given us, make that even as much as the storm can be out there, we can have peace inside. If you make it your own, if it starts to transform your heart, it doesn't matter what the storms bring. Let them bring. Twelve years ago, and I'm closing with this. Twelve years ago, my wife and myself went through the horror of our house burning down. Two months later, they hijacked me right in front of that same very house. I started a new business. I started working for someone else as well. And in this whole process, the business is not doing so well. And it's just a one wave after another. And it's slaughtered. And it slams against this house. And it slams against this house. But deep down in my heart, I had peace. I knew God had my back. I knew that I can stand on him. I want to encourage you. If the storms around your house. If you eliminated sin in your life. But the storms are still coming. And you made God your peace. You will stand. Firm and secure. I want to end with this with a prayer. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, come this afternoon and my life is a testimony, Father, of your goodness and your kindness. What you've done. Lord, the peace, your peace is overwhelming. I pray, dear Lord, that we will hold fast to you and we will pursue you we will not give up on you. I pray, dear God, that we will build strong and good habits in our lives. So this peace may be lasting. Everlasting, Lord. Father, we know there will be a day when this peace, when you come to fetch us, Father.
will be in fulfillment. But we can have it now in the midst of our storms. I pray, Father, if there's storms in this house today, people will stand strong and pursue you more than anything. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.